0: Lock Talk Radio.
1: We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our
2: on-the-spot task force. Who are you? Oh, I'm part of the neighborhood crime watch. The way this works is you watch, I commit the crime. Oh, my God. Now... No, uh, no, no. There's no talking. You just give me your watch and wallet now. Here's my problem. You're black.
0: Oh, Mr. Crane! What?
2: I'm Debbie Crane. I'm a Big Shot. So am I. If you kill me, the headline's gonna be, Black guy
3: kills white Big Shot.
4: And that's the last thing we need when we're trying to
0: elect
3: an African-American as president. Dear God! How about if I just blow your brains out right now? That doesn't work for me. Work for you? Yes, please Hey. All right. All right. Huh? All right.
0: Watch.
1: Watch. Gun. Knee. Right foot. Left foot. Thank God for guns, huh, Jay?
2: You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound but of mind, mind, mind a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination that's the on air sign up ahead your next stop Afro Nerd Radio with your guides d Captain Kirk and on Grindhouse Saturdays the uncanny Daryl D Mind Expansion Engage
5: People, can you believe that Thanksgiving will be will be upon us next week? Boy, is time flying! And then thereafter, Yuletide Tide stuff, and after that, 2016. Folks, this is the midweek review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, and of course, yours truly, Afro Nerd, aka D Burt, doing that in reverse. Uh, <laughs> the call in number. a gain, 646-915-9620. From my understanding, the captain has a brief diatribe, and I'm going to be all over the place for about 30, 35 minutes. And then we'll get to the listed listed topics. I'm going to talk about the inane, the cultural, and the violent. Um, And then just information dissemination that kind of thing. So we're going to go to a groove. We always give you the best of urban alternative groove, black rock and roll, psychedelic muzak, psychedelic soul, afro Shout out to afropunk afropunk.com. Uh, going to this black rock stuff. This is 24/7 Spies. Where are these guys? 24/7 Spies. Jungle Boogie, a classic. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
0: Oh, 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 oh Come on me, come on me, come on me, come on me
5: Jungle Boogie channeling the great Cooling the gang giving you a rock Vibe this is the Midweek review Edition of Afro nerd featuring Captain Kirk and boy Do we have a lot to discuss um, Just before we got on air just More things that came to my mind that I I would think would be of interest to our audience Anyway speaking of the captain Captain you're needed
1: On Rigel 4 Let's get to it Space Now, this time around, I'm going to go on a rant. Don't worry. It's not science this time. It's not an informational diatribe. I'm going to have a little fun with this. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Dallas Cowboys real quick. Tony Romo, where you at? For all you Dallas Cowboy fans right now, for those of you who have been watching The Flash, let me show you how I do Tony Romo. You see how Zoom did The Flash? Actually, I was a little perturbed with this season with Flash. I didn't tell anybody that. You know, I, was a little, I didn't really like how it was going. It was a little, you know, to me, a little bit aloof and everything else. Then I saw Zoom, you know, and I felt good, you know. That's how I do Tony Romo. And due to a causal synchronicity, we also have reverse Flash. So I bounced Tony Romo through both universes and just dragged them all through the street. <laughs> And show the world, Tony Romo, you're nothing. Dallas Cowboys, you're nothing. What are you, 2-7 and this year? Okay? As we go into week 11? eh, okay, enough of that. But since, by the way, all right, Ronda Rousey, okay, we know who she is. You (laughs) see, you know, Chad, we're talking about she could beat Mayweather, she could drag out a man and everything else. She got her ball. Knocked off by Holly Holm, a boxer, all right? Where are they fighting that? 135 pounds? Come on. Here's the problem with Ronda Rousey. No one likes an arrogant woman, okay? Now, imagine Donald Trump was called Daniela Trump. Come on. Get him off the screen. You don't want to see him. Now, we're not saying he's a politician, but at least with his billionaire braggadocious self. It's amusing. He's a man. This is a case where the goose is not just as good for the gander. It it, it doesn't work that way. Men are men. Women have to be women. All right? No one really likes, as per rule, there might be exceptions. I haven't seen it. An arrogant woman. Mayweather's running around arrogant, yada, yada. Some people like to see him lose. Some people like to see him win. But it's a different reaction. After she lost, you have to see all the hate tweets. Everyone was like, good, 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 you know? Now, you know, they suspended her apparently for, like, they say six months or whatever because she had some head situation and everything else going on. Hopefully she's all right and she'll be back at it. But it was just really interesting. You know, arrogance for the woman, as per rule, just does not work. Works for men, though. Tom Brady, he's arrogant. Even though he says the right things, look at his face. Knocks it up like, come on, man. Aaron Rodgers, who plays for... Who does he play for, people? Who does he play for? All right. Plays for the Green Bay Packers. That's the quarterback. All right? Very arrogant. Says the right things, though. All right? But he knocks up his face. Black man, when you're arrogant, you got to tell everybody, you're not this, you're not this, you're not feces, you're excrement, you're this. We do it different. Understandable. But men are men. Women are women. And let's keep going here with this. There's only one event that matters. There's only one event that matters. Jessica Jones on Netflix drops this Friday. Get your binge watching on. This Friday, pay attention. If you don't watch Jessica Jones this weekend, you're not doing anything. So I suggest you get started because by hooking a crook, we're going to mention it come Saturday. Not to say that we watch all the episodes, but pretty sure the After nerd staff will have watched some of those episodes. That's all. Back over to you, Sir After nerd. Let's get it started. You know, Cap, um, it's
5: it's funny since we had to reboot our sound system, you know I had so so many clips to to add flavor to what you were talking about, especially the Ron, Ronda Rousey debacle, um, and after the reboot of our sound system, I, I just I was scrambling to find something to complement what you were saying, but you know it's a bit too late, but I guess I could have. <laughs> Too late. (laughs) (laughs) The joke is is over. (laughs) But I was scrambling. Before, it would have been far easier for me to find something. Uh, Anyway, folks, if you haven't guessed it, this is the Midweekend Review edition. Um, A lot of things to discuss, actually, anecdotally. One, since you brought up The Flash, I'm glad you did a reversal, because you said that it it wasn't that great in the beginning. And I thought it, it was great from the beginning, but that's because, you know, the, the 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 uber geekness in me, <clears throat> and I and, I, and uh, I'm pretty sure if Daryl were here, he would probably be chiming in because he's he's more of a Tea Party spokesman than yours truly when it comes to this complex stuff. But uh, you did a reversal on it because it is very good for those who are into this thing. And I got to talk about it very very briefly, and we, we'll get into it more deeply on Saturday. Uh, and actually actually we have a guest. I, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention this gentleman. Mr. John Ira Jennings. John Ira Jennings is stopping by Afro Nerd Radio Studios, the Grindhouse Studios. Um, he has a, a new book called Blue Hand Mojo, and uh, he, he's a comic crea- creator, um, an educator, quite prolific. I believe he's upstate, and I believe he's also one of the curators for the upcoming Schomburg Black Comic Con coming up in in uh, January. I guess the weekend of Dr. King's birthday, and um, it'll be interesting interesting to talk talk with this gentleman, to speak with him, because not only about his projects, he's done other things as well. But he also mentions some things about the Mark Wade "Strange Fruit" project. I don't I don't think I don't want to misread him, but I don't think he's comfortable with Mark Wade's take on this on this subject. Being that it is a black black theme subject, uh, going back to the 20s, that it's a period piece for the, uh, of the 1920s, I like it, but I am interested in for those who are dissenters and are not feeling Mark Wade. So, again, Mr. Jennings is coming into the building this Saturday, 6 p.m. So check him out. Anyway, in talking about the Flash thing, uh, thoroughly enjoying it. They're going places that I did not expect them to go to, Cap. Um, I've said this for the last couple of months. I have no idea of of what's going to happen when it comes down to the actual movie. There's a film that DC has in the works. I believe Ezra Miller, who's a great young actor, but Ezra Miller is going to be playing the Flash. I don't know which Flash he's playing. He doesn't phenotypically look like The Flash that we we would know in comic books. But um, I just can't imagine it. You know, listen, they could always shock me or surprise me. But for for the real geeks who appear to be producing The Flash TV series, they're putting so many Easter eggs and and just golden nuggets for, for fans of the mythology of The Flash I mean, they showed us Guerrilla City yesterday. Uh, And again, for those who aren't into this stuff, you're saying, what the hell is he talking about? But again, for another day, preferably 6 p.m. Saturday. But I just think that uh, for them to go there with this thing. And also, for a person who is into comics, I realize that the comic book uh, experience is very, very much a TV experience. The fact that... If you're able to look at this stuff cap in real time, you are literally living a in a living comic book. What is Afternor talking about? Well, the fact that for those who are into this into this hobby and today is comic book day, Wednesday, as a collector, you will read very easily a Flash comic from DC and then go to another book like the X-Men and then you might want to go to 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 the Avengers, and then you go to Justice League or whatever. You can do that in real time with your TV. The fact that, again, if you're able to look at this stuff in real time, I realized I'm living in a comic book in the sense that I'm looking at The Flash, and then I flip the channel after The Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on. And then Limitless is on. So it's just... I don't know how long this this golden age slash silver age of television is going to last, but it is literally like living in a comic book three dimensional style for someone who's been who is about this culture. That's just one thing I was thinking about. Um, also, I do want to talk about something else that this is just you know, I don't want to say anecdotal, but it's just. For feces and giggles, um, Captain Kirk's predecessor, someone from the the chairman of the board, someone from the honor honor board, uh, honor role, honor board, the predecessor for the captain, Iron Man, aka Mr. Starks, he calls me up earlier this morning, actually, and he's incensed about this Billboard Top Ten rappers list, a top ten rappers of all time. And long-time listeners know, just with how we operate things here at AfroNerd, you know, we do play um, progressive hip-hop, but we, we're mostly into urban alternative music, black rock and roll. But of course, you know, I will play, we will play uh, a hip-hop song here and there if it's of a certain quality. Anyway, it goes to show you that Community, the hip hop art form, it really is lost based on this list because this is something, and this is something like you know, uh, brilliant minds think alike. I don't know. I don't know for sure if there would be such discrepancy, such discrepancy with a top ten or twenty jazz artists of all time list. I, I would, I would have a hard time. Believing, and I'm a supporter of, of of the horn player, trumpeter uh, Joshua Redman, who's who's a younger artist, somewhat younger artist, newer on the scene. As a jazz artist, I would I would be I would be shocked to see Joshua Redman. And I love Redman, but he for him to be in an all time jazz list, Captain, and he's number one. And Louis Armstrong's number ten. I don't know if we would. I don't know if we would see that. I don't know. Um, you know, on a, on a top t- top ten jazz list, I would want to see. Well, Louis Armstrong has to be damn near number one. You got your Sidney Bechet's. You got you have your your Billy Strayhorns. Your Duke Ellington's. Hell, Miles and Coltrane and Dizzy might be in the middle because you have to factor in Billie Holiday um, the Prez uh i mean it's, it's, i mean i i just i know my jazz i just i didn't know how it was supposed to work this hip hop thing is a mess they have Biggie Smalls is number 1 for the greatest rapper of all time let me go down this list throw it out there for feces and giggles. But to to completely obfuscate golden age hip hop, mostly golden age hip artists even before the golden age. The Melly Mells and and the Cool Hercs. Well Cool Herc wasn't a rapper, but let's say if you want to be specific to rapping, um, the Melly Mells and uh the Busy B's and the Kumol cool Ds, before you get to a Coogee Rap, or a Nas, or a Rakim, or an Eric Sermon or any of these people. This list, it's just for the now. Of all time, mind you. If they said top 10 artists for the aughts, or for the 90s, I can't even say 90s. These many people shouldn't even be there. Let me just go down this list. Biggie Smalls, number one. Number two, Jay-Z. This is Billboard's top ten, by the way. Number one, Big Small, Biggie Smalls. Number two, Jay-Z. Number three, Eminem. Number four, Ken Number five, Nas. Number six, Andre 3000. Number seven, Lauryn Hill. Number eight, Ghostface Killer. Number nine, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar just got here. Who's next? Big Crit? No, I'm just joking. But they, that's what they would what they put in here. And number ten, Lil Wayne. Now, they said greatest rappers of all time uh it's not lyricists of all time because lyricism would be a different criteria, hopefully, hopefully it would be, but in this day and age, Captain, I can't say that for sure but if you're going if you're going to say rappers of all time of all time, so I'm thinking nineteen seventy eight to the present. That's what I would basically say. Rap probably goes back to seventy four, seventy five, but let's say as far as public consciousness, seventy eight, seventy nine, and going forward. Um, this this list you can wipe your rear end with it. <laughs> so, so I'm just trying to figure out. But the and, and speaking to Iron Man and being absolutely honest about all time and cultural impact you'd have to mention people like Will Smith now people would sit looking at me, well, Will Smith Will Smith as far as a cultural icon rap and going beyond that he 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 as a movie star um as an international big bank movie star and a uh, hip hop artist who actually uh herald- heralded heralded hip hop as a music category in the Grammy in the Grammys Will Smith has to has to be there in some way if you want to say rapper of all time I'm talking about lyricism I'm talking about cultural Queen Latifah um Rakim for what he what he did as far as changing when when Rakim hit the scene uh his sound his his type of sound his enunciation change the game. Everyone's like, "Okay, this he's a game changer." No mentioning of Chuck D, cultural. I'm talking about cultural impact. Tupac, I'm not the greatest Tupac fan, but as far as being analogous to a to a Black Elvis, Tupac goes above Biggie. I'm just throwing things out there as far as cultural impactful rapper. I'm not talking about lyricist. Biggie Smalls has had an ability And I remember hearing this on a podcast, on another podcast, and I might have mentioned it here on our podcast. Biggie Small had a talent for being lyrically adroit, discussing nothing. Discussing nothing. He didn't live long enough to – he did not live long enough, nor did he have enough material to really analyze – And and to really unpack its importance, but for what little he provided, it was on the same note. So, I mean, Cab, what what are your thoughts about this? And again, I'm just bringing this up just really as as a. it's, It's less about the list and more about our mindset and the demise of a culture. That you're putting together people. This I don't know what this I don't know what this list is, but you can't say of all time and not even not mention Mellie Mel as far as like you, you can't, you can't disrespect or discredit the originators of it. You can't, you can't put Eminem above rock Kim when Rod Kim inspired Eminem. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe I got it all wrong. You tell me we have a call, by the way, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to the calls, but, What what am I missing here? here? Of all time now.
1: Here's the thing. If I'm the people there making a decision there at Billboard, I would say, and someone bought me that list, I would say put it out because it's going to spark conversation. It's not about so much. It's an opinion. All right? And at the end of the day, if you want people to buy the magazine to make the magazine relevant or make them relevant, there you go. People are talking about it. So from that standpoint, there you go. You know that's the reality they are talking about it on radio stations everyone was getting all emotional but there is emotional time because a lot of people bought these these records all right you bought these CDs so you put time and energy into it so they knew what they were doing I don't know about how valid it is all right far as far as you know greatest rap not the greatest rap but this has been sparking for the longest in, in barbershops for, a year, for years to tell you the truth so it's it's a uh, non controversy, but it's also a big deal all right it's 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 something that's a big deal people do some people do really take it serious all right They definitely do now. I got a spitters list, all right, and you could rearrange this in any order that you want. I do have a lyricist type of list, all right, and then you could uh, rearrange it in any order that you want. This is just lyricists, people that i felt over the years that could spit as they could say. All right, I just you know, I always have this list with me Nas, Rakim, Eminem, KRS1, Big Daddy Kane, G Rap, Razkaz, Jay Z, Big Punk, Jadakiss, Kiss, Biggie, Jizza from Wu Tang, Farrah Ghost Face, Killer, Raekwon, Big L, LL Cool J. There you go. All right, yeah, you can rearrange it in any K. order that you want.
5: M- matter of huh? fact, uh. Sh- a Matter of fact, a shout out to Logic, who I believe has a second album out. Younger Cat from Maryland, who I I like in well, first of all, he's more in tune to my sensibilities. So it's not even about uh being a generation X person and uh like just taking a poo poo on, on newer artists because we play new music here, we play everything. Um I don't want necessarily, I don't necessarily want to play uh, around the world in a day forever, and I'm a big Prince supporter, um, so I'm looking for and we play the, the 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 different kind of music. But Logic, a couple of, a couple of things with this cat, and then we'll get to the calls. Uh, he was on the Breakfast Club a few days ago, I believe. And first of all, he's, he's a, uh, a man of multiracial extraction. And uh, and I mentioned that because he talked about he you could tell he he had to kind of fight himself to rep the nerd thing because he was constantly making references to Padawan and Star Wars lore and uh, Star Wars mythology and he had said F it I'm I'm quoting but he says eff it I'm going to talk my nerd thing he brought during the interview he brought a Rubik's cube with Rubik's cube with him. And proceeded to, uh, while in mid-conversation, um, he was able to to correct the puzzle. You know, actually, you know, how how, how the Rubik's Cube thing goes. And um, he had mentioned that he got into hip-hop. Mind you, he's 25, so he said he got into hip-hop when he was around 14, 13 years old. And he was listening to Big Daddy Kane. So he, they said, well, why were you listening to him? Why were you listening? He mentioned all of the, the golden age hip-hop artists that even 10 years ago a younger person might not have been into. But he said he knew he wanted to do this, and he went back to an earlier time. So just to hear Big Daddy Kane mention in conversation from a younger person it explains a lot, but it also explains why that this guy is an MC. He is he is a lyricist. He's of a certain standard, just by who he went. If you're because if you're going to be a jazz artist, you might want to listen to Take the A Train. You might. You may want to listen to early Louis Armstrong, Sidney Bechet. You might want to do that uh Chet Baker. Well, you may want to you may want to study the the Harlem Renaissance and the the cutting the cutting games, the cutting contests. Cutting contests were you might say were were analogous were I don't know, I don't know if anyone's ever made this connection, but but cutting cutting contests during the 1920s and 30s were essentially gatherings of jazz artists Who had competitions with each other to to get their to get rent basically to get rent to get rent for where they lived, but they had contests between musicians, and he called them cutting contests. Not that dissimilar from battles in hip hop. So I can go deeper into jazz lore. I you know I don't I don't want to do that now, but because there's you know there's a definite jazz street connection that you know there's I could argue that jazz is more street. Than hip hop, I could do that. Um, but I guess my, my main point is that he, that this young man went to the greats because he wanted to study the craft of lyricism and of hip hop culture. You don't start hip hop with Lil Wayne if you're going to be a hip hop musician. At least I don't think so. You might want to check out Cool, the cool Herc, Africa Bombada, um the actual culture of hip-hop circa 1975, 76, 77. If you're serious. Anyway, let's go to the calls.
1: 404,
5: welcome to the midweek.
1: Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Hey, what's up? Nah, it's a more blue headphones, so I don't know if I'm coming through. Are we good?
5: You, uh, yeah, you're coming through. We, we got you.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Shout out to y'all for bringing up that horrible list and actually kind of cutting into why it's terrible. And you guys listed so many guys, I don't feel like you left out too many, so I can't add much as far as uh, guys who should be celebrated. Uh, Red Man and L.L. would be the two yeah, I Yeah, would, would thank say you. Scarface. In there. Oh, face, of course. And, and the, the real thing is Eminem is, is Red Man's son. And uh, he'll tell you that, just in a sense, as far as style. Like, that was the guy he grew up on. And if you're a guy who who heard Rated R as a kid, then you've kind of seen uh, all of that in Eminem from the first album on. You know what I mean? That's, that's who bothered him. But uh, a, a really great point, though, I think, was brought up on another podcast, and I feel like all podcasters need to shout out other podcasts. But uh, Combat Jack had Eric Sermon on recently. Oh, And he oh, yeah. talked about hip-hop. Yeah, hip hop is the only genre of music that doesn't have subgenres. So Scarface would be kind of depression rap, or you know what I mean. Uh, some of these other people you would label them in a party rap, or a gangster rap, like whatever, whatever it is. Hip hop is kind of all thrown into one bucket, and then we get this horrible playlist going everywhere. And after a while, the art form kind of deteriorates, and you know you kind of turn away from it a little bit. But if we just had the genres and, and split it up as it should be, uh, I think it would be easier for people to find all of the good that's out there now, too, because, man, you got to work for it now to find good hip-hop. Right? That's that's kind of how it goes. But, uh, well, you yeah, know, man, good conversation you, on the list, dude.
5: Well, you know, something else, as I'm thinking, there's more lyricists come to mind. I mean, you know, like I said, Kooji Rap, Brother J from X-Clan. Uh, I mean, there's cats that could really... That could really hell. I would even put in someone like uh, intelligent, uh, intelligent hoodlum is another person. Uh, immortal technique. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people that are, are and I'm missing just males. Bahamadia, MC Light. Um, I mean, come on now. I mean, this is this is this is shameful. This list, but uh, I wouldn't doubt the wisdom of the captain. I mean, the Captain did mention that this is to spark controversy, but this is with us. Actually, Naj, you you said something that made me think of something else. Also, when you talk about these subgenres and the diversity that is hip hop, but not but it's not necessarily, um, not necessarily promoted that way. That's that's probably probably endemic to black folks in general. How we are how we are positioned. Black folks, in my estimation, or black culture, has been it's too it's to my chagrin. It's probably the, the chief reason while we have an afro-nerd radio, is because we're positioned in this one-way, monolithic, one-size-fits-all one, one size fits all kind of thing. And it, I think it's because it's just easier to deal with black people and people of color that way if you think of them this way. It, 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 you, you would have a harder time yeah, right, dealing with black right, right. folks. No, no, no. Well, no, let me finish no, no. my no, point. You'd no. have a harder time no. dealing with black folks if you perceive them as truly sophisticated people but they're not mm-hmm. doing that. It's just easier to deal with us with this one track way you were saying.
6: Yeah. I was just going to say if other people control the tools of, of
1: how the money is, uh, how whatever you're doing is monetized, then they're going to do a catch all. So to make sure that they get that huge uh, swath of money. So you'd have your, your, your raggedy right uh, reality, black TV shows going up against empire and the black fans have to choose between one or the other. But by providing only those two choices, you guarantee you're going to get a high rating for pretty much a low budget, probably not good show. So you know that that that's all based on that. So there's no diversity
6: within our so-called diversity. So it, yeah, that, that's a, that's an interesting point you're raising on that, man. But I think Eric Sermon's subgenres point was was really heavy, and I don't
1: think a lot of people caught it. But MC Light shouldn't be competing with Mickey uh, Minaj. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> it's like uh, Red Man, like right now, he's dropping. He shouldn't be competing with Kendrick Lamar and those people. Like they should have a, a totally different lane for, for legends. Uh, Aerosmith and Rolling Stone, all those people, they'll tour until they can't move anymore. Uh, the well, stars heard... are kind of –
5: Well, we've, re- we've repped, um, uh Counselor Osei. Reggie Osei is is, is Combat Jack. Jack, And we've repped him a few times in the show. So I'm, I'm familiar with, it, with his great podcast, and I I think I heard some of that podcast because if I remember correctly, uh, Eric, Eric Sermon had said that they, they were working, I think Def Jam was working, or they presented the idea of a legend's line, and they scoffed at it. They actually presented them with that idea of a legend, like a legend format through Def Jam, and it, they didn't want to deal with it. What you're asking for, really, it kind of sort of exi- It kind of sort of exists, Nas. It really does. But uh, I don't know if, if it's as well known as it should be. I would suggest to you um, two two places to go. Uh, one is you might know this already, and you don't stop, and you don't and you don't stop is a radio imprint through Chuck D. Um, Chuck D. has his own radio program Through uh, Pacifica Radio And when I heard mm-hmm. Anya Don't Stop and You Don't Stop and also uh a gentleman we've had on the show uh, You might know him too Because he's a rather prolific prolific Vlogger uh, Jay, Jay Smooth Jay oh, Smooth Jay Smooth has the longest The distinction of having the longest running Radio program Since I believe 1990 and it's um the, what is it called the, the underground railroad the underground railroad and, and 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 you don't stop essentially give you what i would classify as adult contemporary i listened to and you don't stop I listened to it intermittently it was so good and it was it was incredible because it's it's literally hip hop for adults where the the lyrics the lyrical content you know, I think I might have heard. I might have heard like a uh, like a recent Big Daddy Kane song. Anyway, the lyrical content talked about like mortgages, and, you know, adult stuff. I mean, I said, is, is this
0: right. real? I,
5: it sounded. It sounded like. It sounded like. Mature, it sounded like mature. What mature hip hop should sound like. And if, if there's going to right. be an adult contemporary slot for hip hop, and you don't stop. And, underground, and the Underground Railroad, that's it. And, and, I, and an honorable mention for Backspin. Backspin is courtesy of Sirius XM. Those three would be classified as adult contemporary hip-hop. But no one's really pushed that agenda. They don't push diversity for black people. Not really. Not like they should. Anyway, Nas, uh, continue supporting. support. we got more calls, as always. Continue listening to us. Uh, Cap, we have more more listeners, more callers, pardon me. Uh, 612, welcome to the I'm Midweek. Emotional. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. What's up?
2: Yeah, what's up? My name is Marcus. I'm calling from Minnesota. Uh,
5: I just Minnesota. had a question
2: for, uh, for both the gentlemen out there. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, so I, I take it that both of you guys are conservative, or is there sort of a diversity in political views on the show?
5: Uh, yes, well, certainly. I'm independent. Well, I, I'm t- I would consider myself conservative. Cap is more independent, for sure.
2: Okay. And I was wondering. Then the question I would pose to that would be: um, Do you guys uh, do you guys believe in God at all, or do you consider yourself more secular? Or how do you view that?
1: Well, I'm I'm agnostic. I'm not sure what okay. cap, what Cap would classify. Well, I believe in the possibility of God. Okay, so there you go.
2: Okay. So the question I would ask, like from a conservative perspective would be conservatism is built on a premise of there being sort of a moral absolutes that uh, we can all appeal to that are sort of universal. And for those things to exist, there has to be a moral lawgiver. So if God doesn't exist then all morality is just relative becomes just a construct of the human mind. And it can vary depending on who you talk to or what culture you're in. So if God doesn't exist, than the basic foundation of conservative thought, politically and from an ideological standpoint, it doesn't really have anything to stand on. It's just simply, you know, like there's no foundation behind it.
5: Well, listen, you're kind of taking our our direction of the show in a different in a different direction, but I'll, I'll address it briefly. Uh, the, at, from the last conversation, there's a, a diversity of everything. There are, there are different types of conservatives. You have moderate conservatives uh heck Paul Ryan for political expediency he kind of eschewed his connection to Ayn Rand um, so i i don't even know if everyone who is a conservative is is necessarily a neoconservative or even an ev- evangelical conservative you have different tiers within the conservative movement you have some some in the conser- some conservatives who uh do have this whole uh religious test i don't belong to that faction per se i don't i'm not i'm i don't have a ball in that game um so i i don't necessarily agree with what you're saying because there di- there are different types you have blue dog democrats you have you know radical progressives i mean there there's a there's a, a line a political line going from left to right um socialism to nazism i mean so I don't really – I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, you – listen, an agnostic, separate from an atheist, uh, is someone – like Cap says the possibility. I can't say there isn't a higher being. I can't say that there is. But I'm more of a – I would prefer for there to be more pragmatism. But what you're saying is, well, the the whole linchpin of the entirety of conservatism is is connected to a a deity. That's not really – that's not really accurate. You know, you have philosophers no, out here. There's, 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 there's I'm many ways. Hold on. Standpoint. There's many. No. There's many ways to to anchor oneself to a moral compass. There doesn't necessarily. You could. You. There are plenty. Rousseau, uh, Descartes. Uh, Descartes um, there are plenty of philosophers that you can anchor yourself to beyond a deity.
2: Well, we're not talking about – I mean, if you, for example, if you don't believe if, – if God doesn't exist, an individual can come up with a moral, let's say, or ethical guideline. I understand that. What I'm saying is the justification for it and the and and the idea that it's actually real. Because if, if there is no moral law, if there's no mind private, prior to the human mind who actually constructed morality – then morality is nothing more than just a human construct. And if it is a human construct, then it's just relative. So it becomes a preference. Like, say, if you like chocolate ice cream over vanilla, that's literally what morality has become, because it can just simply become, you may believe and adhere to a certain moral thought, but someone else may have a totally opposite view. And if morality is relative, then both of you are valid. But if there is, in fact, a moral lawgiver, i.e. God, now morality and ethics become universal, and it's not something that changes depending on a person's preference. It's a standard that we all can be held to. And if you know the history, like, take the when the Nazis were brought to a trial for war crimes, uh, the argument that the Nazi lawyers made during the Nuremberg trials was that, uh, who are you for the Allied forces to judge these men who are simply adhering to a morality that their that their society adhered to when it came to killing Jews? And so the whole trial shut down for two weeks because of that. And and then after two weeks, the Allied forces lawyers came back and said that there's a law above the law of man that we all can appeal to, and that's the standard by which we hold you to. Now such a law only exists if there's God, and that's an issue that I, when people bring this up, most of the atheistic philosophers like like Sartre, Kam, uh, Camus, even Voltaire, they all embrace this and they understood the principle that. If God doesn't exist, all things are meaningless. There is no morality. There is no ethics. It's all just a human illusion. And they embraced that, and they, they were being intellectually consistent.
4: Listen,
5: unfortunately, you're redirecting the show. I will. What you're saying is, is, is fascinating. Not what we're talking about. <laughs> we have all the calls. I'll leave you with this. Uh, who's God? Who's God? There's too much balkanization for 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 you to propagate the theory of God. For there to be there are different gods. We've been we've been. You could be a monotheist, a polytheist. I hear what you're saying, but you you are basing it on the premise of of a God. But who's God?
1: Allah. Well, it's,
2: it's pretty it's pretty easy to determine God. You you use you two principles. principles, sir. Yeah, first, sir. Yeah. It's, Thank you for if, if you're just willing to take the chance, it's simple. All you do first off is look at. Sir, thank you for calling.
1: We hope you continue to call and We appreciate it. I appreciate your opinion. All right? But this is not the thank topic you, that we're he talking was, about he, at this time.
2: What he was saying? Let me finish. Let me finish.
1: All right. Thank you for calling, but this is not the topic at this given time, sir. I hope you continue to listen. When we do. A God serm, sermon. That's when you call in pertain to that topic. Because I'm the type of person to take you there. All right, if you listen to any of my diatrics. But that's not what we're doing right now. So let us move on. Next caller please, seven oh three. Let's get hold on. What was that about? <laughs> hold Don't on. Well, worry about, about, about though, it. Let's move on. No,
5: nah, well, <laughs> hold on.
1: Uh we're gonna go to we're gonna go to a call,
5: to the next call, and then we'll go to a groove. But um, Come on, man. I mean, you know, he, he's talking about a god. There's, there are many gods. The whole thing is absurd. Go ahead, seven hundred three. Tell us your you're calling for. And my apologies, but even I get into, I can get caught up into the cyclical argument. Seven hundred three.
1: Two motherfuckers. <laughs> seven hundred three. Seven hundred three. Let yeah, me get off. bison.
5: Bison? Okay. Was that? Okay, know. hold on. I
1: don't know what that was.
5: The the, the number's familiar to me. It's got to be somebody we know. Seven zero three. I have no idea what's going on. Is it that type of day? Is it that? Is it is it that type <laughs> of day?
1: Maybe it is.
5: You know. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my apologies. Even I got sucked into a vortex. Uh, you know what? Let's go to a, let's go to a quick groove. Uh, you know, as always, we try to emphasize the urban alternative uh, cap. When we come back, more discourse. Uh, you know what I want to do? I want to talk about this Chirac deal. Okay. Uh, even more about it, briefly. That Mister um, Lee's being critiqued. He's being critiqued for in our lane now. You know, he's being critiqued in this. Uh, what about that black-on-black crime thing? You know what that means. He's yes, being sir. critiqued for that. So I'm already on his side already. All right, folks, this is the Midweekend Review edition of Afro nerd featuring Captain Kirk going to an urban alternative groove. This is the great Angelo Moore from Fishbone. Angelo Moore and Kid Joe. Love ain't true. We'll be right back. Let's groove. <laughs> Descartes. was the philosopher. What's going on with me? Um, I represent Richard Dawkins, Descartes, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm on that team. Science, science. <laughs> anyway, folks, once again, giving the best of urban alternative groove, black rock, and psychedelic soul, Afro punk. Uh, the great Angela Moore and Ugly Kid Joe. Love ain't true. Love ain't true. Uh, Cap, you know, before the break. And before I got caught in that that vortex, uh, in my apologies. I don't know what was going on there. Sometimes I I can't get it wrapped up in kind of a philosophical conversation, but that's n- not really what we're about at this point. You know, when it's when a topic is there, we'll talk about it. And I was going to entertain the gentleman for for a little bit, but it was kind of going into a vortex. So anyway, um, but you know, it's an interesting subject. Anyway, um, Spike Lee, legendary director, Spike Lee, has a new film forthcoming, Chirac, I believe December 4th, actually. And uh, it's not without controversy. And it's almost vintage Spike Lee. We've spoken about the film a few times. Now, you know, Cap, I've noticed with a few websites, and you know with, you know, there's such a thing as clickbait. When, I'm hoping it's clickbait and not how people really feel, but that's my, it might be the case. Um, you see these websites... And they were saying things like, well, it appears that Spike Lee should be going on a tour with Don Lemon. That's one of the headings. Uh, The other one I remember seeing was, is is, is Spike Lee's Chirac film a what-about-black-on-black-crime type of film? Now... It makes sense that it would be a black on black type, a black on black crime type of film because it is talking about intraracial urban strife, urban violence. But this whole thing, that whole terminology, what about black on black crime? That's actually a a pejorative shout out question that has been levied by whites oftentimes in response to something else. So now, they're putting it on. They're putting it on Spike Lee. So, it is a topic that has to be discussed. I don't understand the avoidance of this thing. Even if you're going to separate, I don't believe we you know we conflate things on the show. that's our tagline, uh, the Great I Am Rappaport podcast, Michael Rappaport's contest uh, podcast. They often say we don't fact check. Well, we do fact check here, but they don't fact check. We conflate here. We conflate. That means I don't make a distinction, the captain and myself, we do not make a distinction between uh, police malfeasance-related deaths of black men and gang violence killing black men. Death is death. The results are the same. For some reason, the political agenda seems to matter to people. The agenda seems to matter to folks. I'm more concerned about stopping the bleeding. Anyway, I think it's important to, to 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 decipher what's going on here. That it seems odd to me that there needs to be this compartmentalizing. So let's say we do that. Let's say we let's say we compartmentalize. Let's do it the other way. It's oftentimes often the times we're told, Captain, that. Well, we're talking about this Black Lives Matter police getting out of pocket thing right now. We're dealing with that. If, okay, if I agree with that, okay, let's say we've dealt with that. Now it's time for this. So I'm confused. I'm going to ask Captain directly before we go to this clip. This is a CNN Anderson Cooper interview with Spike Lee and Father Michael Flager of Chicago. If I'm if I'm going to ride, which I'm not, but let's say for the sake of conversation, if I'm going to ride with the supporters of Black Lives Matter, and that we're going to be exclusionary with okay, black folks are dying this way and that black on black black on black violence, we discuss it another day. Okay, this is another day. So I'm confused as to why folks are angry if this is the next thing that has to be discussed, it's as, if, it's as if we're never to discuss black-on-black crime. So let's say we don't conflate like we like we do, but let's say we're not conflating. Let's just say, okay, two weeks ago we dealt with Black Lives Matter. This time we're going to deal with the urban violence. If that's the case, because this appears to be a separate thing for the sake of conversation, why are they still angry, Cap?
1: Well, as we said before, we said this before, at ad nauseum. When you make black people look at look in the mirror at some of the things that they can control. All right? They don't like being told that by any source, by what they can control. Now some would say they can't control it, you know, you know, impoverished situation, this, that, and everything else, no programs, yada yada, yada they'll go all and on and on and on. Some of this you can control, some of it, some of it, not saying all. There's a tendency to push back right away. And we said before here on this show, or at least, you know, pretty much, you need the Malcolm X, all right, and the Martin Luther King dealing with the police malfeasance that's perpetrated against black people, all right, one who's talking and one who's doing on the ground, And then you simultaneously, because they work synergistically, it's actually conflated when you really look at all the history. Then simultaneously, you need a Malcolm X and a Martin Luther King, someone talking about it, and someone actually going to work on the ground with all the intra-racial situation. That's how you weed it out. You really have to weed out both of them. You understand? And it's neither dissing one or the other. Let them do what they do. Let them do what they do over here, and we meet in the middle, and we work this out to save lives and build up our different black communities. That's what needs to happen, all right? So whether you like it or not, it's going to have to be addressed. problem a lot of times when Spike Lee starts talking with a lot of black people who their butt, your butt begins to hurt because he's a rich guy, right? Butt begins to hurt. You don't want anybody to tell you anything. And if you listen to what he says, he's not discounting what the police are doing to black people. He didn't say, oh, that's not happening. He didn't do that. All right? Listen carefully, black people. But he's also saying we have to address this also. That's it. And that's a problem. That's a problem. No, you you, you can't say that. So, you know, we have the tape. We have the video. We have the digital audio. Let's play it for them, Sir Afford.
5: All right, let's get to this. Uh, again, this is Father Michael Flager, Spike Lee, Anson Cooper discussing the film, but I guess more importantly, really less about the film and more about just what's happening with the youth in Chicago. Hold on.
7: What do you think it is about here that, that makes it so bad?
8: All I can say is, is there's a a growing hopelessness that I've seen over the last number of years that is a level that I've never seen before and a sense that nothing's changing, nothing's getting better. And how
3: many years have you been here in St. Sabina? Forty years.
8: Building? I've been living in this building for right for 40 Saints years. Of Biden. So I've seen the up and the downs over the years. Perfect example of a town hall meeting a year ago. At the end of a town hall meeting in Englewood, a kid raises his hand before everybody's getting ready to leave, and he says, can I just ask one question? Does anybody care? Does anybody care about us? Uh, when I ask a young sixth-grade girl in my school, what do you want to be when you grow up? She says, alive. The kids are dealing with that kind of a... You've heard people say that to you? Oh, yeah. I had a third-grader last week after this nine-year-old boy, Tyson Lee, got killed, say, walking over to the gym, I heard about the young boy that got murdered and got killed.
7: Am I safe? I've heard you refer to this as a, as a self-inflicted genocide.
3: Funny well guy. well here's the thing though. I I and I know I've been criticized for this, but I don't care. I'm all for Black Lives Matter. I can't breathe. Don't shoot. And I'm not speaking on behalf of forty five African Americans. This is my own belief, Anderson. I'm with that. But we as a people can't be blind. We can do all that, all that is fine. Every gardener we go down the line. Those were, that was wrong, but we cannot be out there going, ba ba but yeah yeah yeah, there. And then when it comes to young brothers killing himself, then mum's the word. No one's saying nothing. You can't, you, it's got to be, both it's got to
7: gotta be both ends. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to focus on Black Lives Matter movement on on, I said, you focus per, on it, police but you brutality. But
3: you, but you can't ignore that we are killing ourselves, too. We can't, we can't ignore that.
7: So how do you address that? I mean, how, you, you, you well,
3: preach
8: to people. We have to fight the killing of our children, whether it is a racist cop, whether it is a George Zimmerman vigilante, mm-hmm. or whether it is black-on-black crime. It doesn't matter. Murder is wrong. Killing is wrong, no matter whose hand it is and the race of the hand it is. And so we just try to fight that from, from that standpoint. That whenever, so we, we fight against racial profiling and police brutality. But I also, when a child is killed in the city and the police say they have no leads, we put up rewards um, like we did with Tyshawn Lee. You, you, you put up a reward? We started a reward fund years ago when a public school child, maybe 15 years ago, we started that. We've consistently put up rewards. We started $5,000 for anybody to find the person. I'm one of the first people to say I hate the prison system, Anderson. I hate it. I think it's horrible. I think it's broken. I think they do nothing for helping inmates in there. But you can't kill a child and go back in your life and watch TV and eat McDonald's and hang out in the street at the park like everything's okay. You can't do that. It's not okay. You can't do that. And if we allow that and tolerate that, then we as a community are saying it's all right. And I understand the fear element. I understand people say, but you know, they'll come after me. And I, my comment has always been, if one person comes forward and yeah, they become the target of the, the, the gang or whatever, say, you, you, you come out and you put such such in jail. But it's never just one person that knows about it.
7: But, but people in general, a lot mm-hmm. of times, people do not come forward to talk to Absolutely, people. they don't.
8: And, and, and that's a problem. That's and a I fact. get the fear element. But some place we have to understand the conscience has to trump fear.
7: You know it used to be that a snitch was somebody who committed a crime and then pointed the finger at somebody else in order to get a lesser sentence.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: It's now gotten to the idea of anybody who talks to police, anybody who has witnessed a crime and talks to police about what they saw gets gets that label, and that label is a that's a that's a i mean that is a bad word oh, yeah. in in Communities throughout America. Nobody wants to be labeled a snitch. Yeah,
8: no, and, and because you feel you're putting yourself in danger, you're labeled by certain groups in the community. And also, we, you know, we can't deny from this the broken bridge between law enforcement and the community. It's bad. They don't trust them. People they don't trust Not them. Not at all. And so if they do say something and say, I'll do this anonymously, and then their name is put out there on the street that they said this, so now that there's just a lack of trust for the police and we can't we can't walk away from it that's real and work needs to be done on both sides but we have to understand that bridge is broken
5: All right once again Michael Father Michael Flager from Chicago and of course Spike Lee um they were actually really weren't discussing that much about the film but it seems like a it seems like a caricature of Flager uh is going to be portrayed by John Cusack in the in the film, uh, I'm definitely uh, intrigued by it. I, I haven't really had that the juices flowing to want to see a Spike Lee film for quite some time. So he's got my butt going to the theater. My butt's going to be in the seat, certainly. So I, I'm intrigued by it, but I, I I really just have a difficult time dealing with, or I should say, frustr. I have great frustrations with. Folks that critique Spike Lee on this particular issue, and you know something else I thought about also, Captain, is that you know listen, I politically at one time I would say I was very much in sync with what Spike Lee was about uh, during his most popular period. I thought that he spoke for a generation, and that you know after dealing with what happened with uh, Howard Beach and what happened with. Youssef Hawkins and even the riots in, in LA that you that it it seemed to to really speak more accurately as to what was going on but now it's a, to me I think it's a lot more complicated with perhaps some of our complicity which we never want to talk about with what's happening with us and even and, and actually even this time around the fact that he's talking about it this way cuz many of the other films that he that he's done was either racism racist or ra- racism as a topic or uh maybe if it was more more reflective it was maybe his school days which was I- I- cultural and um classes and skin tone and on uh, that historical thing but now even he has come full circle to where I am I'm at but I guess what I'm really trying to say is that Many of the, of the things that he has been spouting off in the last couple of years or even a couple of weeks has been in tune with a lot of these folks that think a certain way, that, that's been very much in tune with mainstream black thought. But on this one issue, they're ready to throw the baby outside of the bathwater. And I find that intriguing. That We're at the point now where you could have a list of topics or a list of issues that you're that you are in sync with on a with a person. Let's say 9 out of 10 things he's very much about with mainstream black america. One dissension off with his head. He spoke very um forcefully about gentrification. He spoke uh, what a few days ago before uh, some of the the the, uh, the top brass in Hollywood at the uh, Academy Awards, he, he spoke straight up saying, you need to be more diversified, you need more more culture, you need, you need more flavor in this piece, if I, if I remember what he said specifically. He said that while getting an honorary or some kind of honorary award th- from the Academy. So he's done all the things that, quote-unquote, black folks probably would dig. This one thing, you're, you're getting articles like, why Spike Lee and Don Lemon should do a traveling tour together. This is from the root. So this is what, this whole thing about being lock and step in everything with black folks is literally killing us. And I don't even agree with everything that Spike Lee is about, but everybody, but he agrees with most, like ninety percent of mainstream black thought. One thing is a little bit more critical or self-evaluating. Off with his head, those are the times that we're living in right now we have We have no way we can have critical analysis. we can't have dissension. we can't have deconstruction. Our favorite word. you can't deconstruct anything. You have to be lockstep it it's It's hegemonic in nature i think it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy uh we have i believe our friend from Chicago I'm pretty sure he has some interesting things to say about uh spike lee that that particular interview but I just find it very funny that we seem to forget all that other stuff, all that other ish you know, we forgot the fight the power video cap. We forgot that video in the heart of Brooklyn. He doesn't get any any credit for that. There's one thing oh we're ready to we're ready to label him uh a cousin to Clarence Thomas. Let's go to the to the phones. Serge?
4: Yes, it's me. It is What's me. On, man? Um, hopefully, I'll get to see you guys soon. Very soon. Hopefully. We'll see.
5: Hopefully. I, I don't um, know, man, because we, we got a Saturday interview. But we'll, we'll, I know. Well, well try.
4: things happen. Well, next time, if we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, by next Wednesday, I will have seen Chirac. So okay. if you want an advance word, I'll be very happy to tell you about it next Wednesday. Okay. Um. But um, I, let me tell you this. A, a friend of mine uh, posted that interview on her Facebook page, and she sent me the link. And she got a response from someone who just just criticized Spike, calling him a sellout and all this and everything. So I had a respond, and it was a long response. It was so long, I had to break it into two separate uh, messages, Facebook messages. And the woman, of course, got very, very upset with me. And said that I was being willfully obtuse. And I told her, I asked her, I said, hey, how old are you, kid? And she blew a gasket. Kid, I'm not a kid. I'm an adult woman. I'm a kid. You know, and blah, blah, blah. And why do you have to be insulting? And I told her, I said, no, you insulted me first by saying I was willfully obtuse. You were the one who insulted me first. If you had just listened to my argument, you can disagree with it. If you you know, or respond to it rationally like an adult, wouldn't had a problem. But you have to go off you know, you go to her, go off the deep end, and insult me like a child, which is why I call you a kid. You know, she didn't respond after that. Um, but you know what hap- what The thing about it is, that, and I've said this before, is that the reason why a lot of black people don't want to talk about black and black crime is because it makes us look bad. And it, it's embarrassing. And especially makes us look bad to white people, which is the main thing. You know, we don't want to look bad in front of white people, right? It's much easier to blame white people for the death of black men than to say that the overwhelming majority of black men are killed by other black men. And then, like I told this this woman... Uh, a a study came out, seventy nine point nine percent of homicides in Chicago last year were black men. Seventy nine point seven percent, right? Believe me, it wasn't white guys killing those all those black guys. I don't mean, think there was even a single case, not to my knowledge. You know, so what's your explanation? So don't get mad at Spike or mad at me when I point that out.
5: My thing, Sergio, I just don't – I don't understand why – how is discussing the crime that's occurring in these communities? Why is that the knee-jerk reaction is you're selling out – Like it's, it's anger, and it's completely dealing with some of these absolute tragedies. I mean, are these people well, supposed that's
4: the to – Well, defense. They,
5: well, let me get my point. Defense. Are these people supposed to actually – Live this way. I mean, you told me. I, I I I really. I'm 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 saddened that you gave me that you corrected me on something, because the correction just made me feel bad. Worse, you know the fact that you had the, this young woman that was on the rise that was a model, she was 20 mm-hmm. or 21, right? And then uh, the young man Tyshawn who was nine, and I thought right. they died maybe days within each other, which is bad enough. No, no, no. I haven't but seen you told days. me they actually occurred. The deaths occurred the same day. Right and right. and so so we can't talk about that like that's okay or or if it's not okay there's no way to uh, to address something about let's try to lessen this type of stuff I mean at least I'm just confused about what exactly makes it so bad and why is it that we always have to bring white people into the conversation at
4: all like why
5: it it only counts if white people are are the counter to the discussion.
4: Well, the, you see, the other thing is that is that people don't have an answer. They really do not have an answer. You know, there's there is you know as I told you, I sent you this article about this woman who wants to um, has taken that Chirac to hat to heart, the, and she wants to start a you know a no sex black woman to start a no sex thing in,
5: oh, yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Explain that. I, I glanced at that. That's like a real life. Yeah, it's a. Uh, uh,
4: I don't take it too seriously I've I've heard of the woman before She has a familiar name to me She's something of a self-promoter So I don't think anybody takes it really seriously But someone, a friend of mine pointed out Was that basically what she was doing She's frustrated because she doesn't have an answer You know, I mean It's hard for black people to admit And I've seen videos Where people say this is a lie You know, it's hard to admit Self-hatred is killing us it is killing us. Now, a lot of black people don't want to admit that. If you bring that up, a lot of black people get very, very upset. They say, that's a lie. No, it is true. But and d- Don't go by me. Chancellor Williams, in his book, Destruction of Black Civilization, said exactly the same thing. And that book came out in 1970, 45 years ago. So, you know, black hatred is killing us, right? And blacks don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that we have problems just loving ourselves or just even remotely liking ourselves we have a problem right is e- and they don't have an answer so it's easier to point the finger at the white guy you know you're the cause of our problems well it's not it's not the white guy who's who's creating the 79.9 percent of black homicides in Chicago I'm sorry now you can say it's a lack of jobs guess what there's always been a lack of jobs in black community what it, it happened in the last five years and what about in the Depression, when it was 40% unemployment around the country, which must have been higher in black communities? You didn't see the, this high spike of murder rates in black communities then. You know, programs. You know, it's always the same thing. We had an after-school a program if we had jobs in the community. Blah, 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 blah. You now, look, you, you, people are grab grasping for answers, right? And they don't have a solution. So... So without, say, he so without a having he an is.
5: answer, so without having an answer, you get anger. Like the whole thing right. about being angry and and actually calling you a name. That's another thing too. If you disagree with someone, you're supposed to be able to counter counter their argument with some kind of cogent response.
7: You just right. can't exactly. say,
5: you know, call you a name or call you Uncle Tom or you know. If they're not going to call you Uncle Tom, they, they, they'll say you you're obtuse. Whatever, whatever you reason right. they want to use. That's not a response. I mean, if you if you just if you disagree with someone, you counter the argument with a statement. You don't just call him a exactly. name. Exactly. Because if you call somebody a name, it means you lost the argument. If there even is an but, argument. It's
4: a right, discussion. and also. And also, once again, this is what I call Internet or hashtag activism. You know, all these people – and this woman who responded to me, she lives like near San Francisco. You know, she doesn't know what's going on in Chicago. So don't tell me you know what's going on here. You have no idea. So the other thing, too, is that um, people want to pretend that they're actually doing something by going on the Internet – and saying something, it's just like if you notice on Facebook this week, everybody on the, pro, on, the on the profile pages have they, they they put on the French flag, the colors of the French flag, right? You know, and I said, okay, that's easy to do, but it doesn't really mean anything. Okay, we're sorry about what happened in Paris, uh, we sympathize with the French people, but. Putting, you know, putting the red, the, the red, white, and blue on my Facebook cover, you know, photo. Yeah, and so, what is that supposed to mean? Well,
5: well listen, collectiv—what's it called? Collectivism. Collectivism is there. Yeah, it.
4: collectivism. and, and right. as
5: you said, it gives it gives a person a sort a sort of self importance, as if they've actually done something without really doing anything. But you know, right. if, if someone were someone were to even say to us or especially Afro the Radio, because so I've been asked the question before, well, you guys talk about this stuff, but you don't do anything. Um, that's not really true. The issue is, and I, I actually we intend to do more, but I will say this. Part of it is even being able to discuss it. And what what can we do if we can't even bring up the topic? That's one thing that's, that people fail to actually get into, is that first they will call you a name, then they'll tell you, well, what are you doing about it? And I say, well, I can't do anything about it if I can't discuss it. We have to be able yeah. to talk about the issue to to air it out, so we can really hammer home what we need to, we need to be. But I I've thought of a, of a myriad of ways to dress this urban terrorism. But what I and I've said it on air before. But the issue is, no one's going to like it. Well, even when they say things like, well, Barack Obama. His, his adopted home is Chicago. How come he hasn't done anything? And said, well, if he were to actually – because I can tell kind of sort of where his line of thinking is from some of the speeches that he said that he's had and has been critiqued on when he speaks to black folks. Black folks would not like what he would want to do to actually attack some of this stuff. And again, we're talking about federal versus local. You bypass your local politicians to get to the federal. That's a, that's even another issue. But attacking some of what's happening co- on a cultural level, maybe it's not a wise thing. And and, and we're gonna go to a group in a minute, Serge. But I want to keep you on hold. Um, even with the Missouri situation, there's actually a connection between the University of Missouri and this conversation with some of our hypocrisy. We don't want to deal with the cultural component with some of the stuff. Just as we're seeing because I 'cause I gotta revisit this University of Missouri thing when we when we get back after the break. And the reason why I want to revisit it, uh, and tie it into the Chicago thing, is the same students that are angry with these miscellaneous white folks that don't like them and call them the N word are the same students that probably have Lil Wayne <laughs> and all these <laughs> minstrels in their iPod that called them a nigger on wax ad nauseum but don't necessarily like the white man calling them a nigger. See, up uprooting that hypocrisy is part of what's happening even in Chicago. That if you if you're if you're not going to address the the cultural slash subcultural component that is the gasoline that's partially the gasoline for some of this nonsense because no other community that i' that I have seen I don't see Jewish folks calling themselves derogatory names as a as a as a form of entertainment repeatedly and not not root, uprooting that you can't have drill music out of Chicago or trap music repeat, repeatedly on repeat and expect folks to understand that. Every other community, when something goes down that they don't like, they're quick to call sponsors and get rid of it. We're the only community right now that seems to have a a, a kind of orgy over our own degradation. You don't dance to your degradation, but we're doing that. That hypocrisy has to be dealt with. And having some kind of modified stop and frisk, some type of modified martial law in some of these urban centers to stop the immediacy of babies dying, black folks don't want to hear that because that's what would be required. We're not talking about the political correctness of stop and frisk and of martial law. We're talking about literally saving infants from being shot in the head. Now, I have a number of issues, things that can be done to 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 actually attack the problem at least by 20 to 30, 40 percent. Black folks would not like it. They'd say the civil, the, the civil liberties would be above the death of babies. I would invert that argument. I'd say I'd be, I'd welcome the loss of some civil liberties if it's going to prevent an infant from getting shot between the eyes. Yes, I would do that. But we're not ready to go there. So we just continue with this conversation. We just continue. But the the immediacy of saving babies and grandmothers hasn't hit home for black folks. We've normalized it. We've normalized being called nigger at 8 o'clock in the morning on wax. And that's okay. While, whereas no one else is doing that. But then again, I'm an Uncle Tom allegedly for bringing up no but there's
4: there's something else here there's something else here that they don't want to admit and what's going on is also there is a class thing going on here let's be very honest majority of these crimes are taking place in poor isolated black communities who is the most angriest or pretends to be the most angriest middle-class black people who don't live anywhere in these areas for the most part right so of course it's easier for them to. The, the reason why they don't get that angry, you may say, is because in their heart they're thinking, well, it's happening to those people. You know, as I said before, and I've said this many, many times before. You know, neighborhoods like Inglewood, Roseland, where these, all, where so many of these shootings are taking place, like of the boy and and the, the little boy and the uh, and the model. Inglewood is isolated from Chicago. You have to go out of your way to go to Inglewood. It's not easy to get there. You can live your entire life in Chicago and never once have to visit Inglewood, even more so for Roseland, which is far south, the south side of Chicago. Way out of the way. It's, there's no reason to go th- there, There's no reason to go to Inglewood. There's nothing there. There are no stores. There are no businesses. There are no theaters. There are no supermarkets. So they're isolated. They're sort of out of the way, out of sight, out of mind. You know, it's easy to pretend to be concerned about them, but most of these people don't even go near them.
5: Serge, on that note, hold on. I want to bring you back on this uh, briefly to talk about this University of Missouri thing. I think you might appreciate it. I kind of hinted at it, but I want to talk about it again. I want to kind of revisit it uh, because it seems that that incident with the University of Missouri is actually planted a seed for other universities to talk about racism in a certain way. I think the social justice warriors have come forward. Uh, University of Kansas is going through a similar situation. I'm literally hearing other universities going through this forced diversity thing, which may not be a bad thing, but. These kids would not make it, circa 1950. I, I, there's something peculiar about how these racial incidents are being discussed, and what's being done to rectify them. That I want to revisit. So hold on for a second. We'll be right back, folks. Again, this is again, pardon me. <laughs> this is the midweek review edition of Afro nerd featuring Captain Kirk, and always we try to keep the machine going with black rock and roll, Afro punk. This is new. No surprises. No surprises. Uh, Roman Jean Arthur and the great Janelle Monet. We'll be right back. No surprises. I suspect from the from her Wonderland crew, Wonderland Records artists, uh, why we're not hearing that in reg- regular rotation. Um, you know the respectful music that we're talking about. Um, I-, I have to kind of mention this. I just have to mention these things because they just irk me. And we'll bring back Sergio. I want to talk about this University of Missouri and the seed that that racial strife at that particular college what it has what that seed would that seed which has grown from that or what has grown from that seed I should say. Um I was driving sometime last week. Um it had to be in a weekday, maybe six o'clock, and I glance over, I see a young lady in a car, a young woman of color, black woman. Um she had to be between let's say twenty five and thirty five. I think that's the demographic. Um I guess one of the cool things about being a person of color. Many of us, you know, we can't tell an age on us. So she looked to be between 25 and 35. And her windows were up, but she was listening to some hip-hop song. And it was, you know, nigga, 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 on repeat, just like some kind of um, Tourette syndrome. I sincerely believe at this point that nigga, 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 repeated on wax. And just about every... Damn, rap song is a form of cultural Tourette's. Anyway, I'm looking at this young woman, um, quasi-attractive, from what I could tell. Not that it really matters, but well, it matters to me. But anyway, uh, I'm looking, and I'm saying to myself, because I'm in my own group, I'm listening to everything. You know, it could be I could be listening to Miles Davis one moment, listening to Prince, and listening to Janelle. Uh, I could be listening to Coltrane. That's that's my vibe so i'm 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 looking at this young lady, ladies and gentlemen and i'm I'm thinking well how can not to be into this gender specific thing I'm trying not hard not to do that, but we do want our women to be of of a softer nature to complement the man's nature at least you would want that, and I'm listening to a w I'm looking at a woman. Who's ingesting such vulgarity? And it's one thing to see our young black men, which is also problematic, ingesting nihilism ad nauseum like that. But now we're seeing young women. That's not the only. only, I mean, black and white, to be honest, and in between, everyone. But to see a young black woman listening to nigga, nigga, nigga ingesting it. What kind of what kind of diet is that? What does that do? What does that mean? incessantly? where is the contrast? Where's the compl- Where's the compliment? Where is the soft tones? Where is the romanticism? How do we how do we connect? How do we build romantically with someone who listens to that? That's what I, that's what's in my head. So anyway. I I wanted to readdress this University of Missouri thing because I'm noticing that there are other colleges coming forward with their student bodies, their respective student bodies, um, making demands of the administration for racial incidents. And maybe that should happen. Maybe it should happen. But I'm going to bring Sergio into this. But I, I do want to mention this one thing. It made me want to speak about this always talking about blur stuff, always talking about nerd stuff. Uh something that even um Sergio might appreciate. Kevin Kevin Gravot. I've mentioned this gentleman's name on the show a few times, especially on the show that that's called Afro Nerd. Kevin Gravot is a noted screenwriter, he's an actor, and he's a comic book writer. He's responsible for the underworld franchise. Kevin Graveau. I've seen him a few times in person. He's kind of a a mountain of a dude. He's a big dude. And it's yeah, funny I've that I've met
4: him too. I've met him too, right.
5: And, and you know, it's funny that for someone who who has that really football player's look um you know, the guy has degrees in microbiology and I mm-hmm. believe a masters in genetic engineering um from he's he's a Bison. So 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 shout out to Bison. He's one of your people. Uh, but one of my people, by extension, because he went to an HBCU. That's another matter. Anyway, Bison, shout out to you. He is a bison, Mr. Graveau. Anyway, um, so Graveau wrote this comic book that I would want everyone to read. And it, it, reading this comic book, and I, and I I hate to say that there's things that, that get by me that I find out years later. I, I, obviously, um, uh, Daryl B., was on top of this. It's a book called um, Adam. Adam. And it, it's essentially the story of a black Superman analog. And where am I going with this with the uh, University of Missouri? I'll, just hold on, folks. I'll make the connection. So, it, the, the thing is, called, the entire book is called Adam, Legend of the Blue Marble. Definitely, if you can, it's a Marvel Comics book. And it, it it's it's really... Important that you have someone like Graveau. I mean, you have a few of these cats that are multiple-degreed, you know, very, very intelligent people. So when they write fantasy, even in a comic book, it's very, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on. So Adam Legend of the Blue Marvel, I was was looking at a YouTube clip from a young gentleman um, that he's got a a lot of views. I mean, he's he's probably got a business out of it where he unpacks and explains all these 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 comic book stories, these comic book arcs that many of us didn't have enough time to read or unaware. So I'm looking at this YouTube YouTube clip of this young man explaining this Adam book and that Grobo wrote the book. And again, I said it was based on a black Ubermensch. It was based on a black Superman analog set in the 60s. So it's a period, kind of a period comic book, and it talks about this superhero who saves the world multiple times, and he has a uh, a full costume, so you can't tell the race of the hero initially. Again, happening during the Cold War, and some epic battle takes place where he comes out of it alive, but he his clothing is tattered, and on live television, you can clearly see this is a black a black man. So, uh, the book talks about and again, this is fantasy science fiction stuff, but it talks about the type of treatment that this character has. It says that the government shuts him down and tells him that we have to you have we have to depower you. We can't have you running around. This is again during the civil rights movement. Malcolm X, uh, uh, JFK is the president, and the government tells this black superhero, who clearly has a record, a track record of doing nothing but world positive, has done nothing but world positive um, good. He's told to shut down because he's black. Essentially, they told him this is a tempestuous moment in history. We don't know if you're going to if you're going to be a Malcolm X or a Gabriel Prosser. Yes, they mentioned Gabriel Prosser in a comic book. This is what I'm talking about. They, they, it's heavyweight, all this stuff, and, and it talks about all the racism and all the upfront up front serious stuff in a comic book, and it made me realize these folks at the University of Missouri, they BS, they're BSing. Let's <laughs> go something else. They're BSing. Reading the comic book, you realize... What real confrontational, life-threatening racism is, and I had to look. I had to be reminded, even in fiction, as to what racism is really about and how confrontational it is. It's not someone in a pickup truck just um, spouting something at you, who may or may not be a student. Incidentally, uh, it's infra- infrastructural, with the government telling this character. We can't have you. We can't have some some colored person, as they called them, or some uh, what was another pejorative they called. They called them um, uh, jungle, buggy, uh, jungle bunny, I believe is the term they used in the comic book. Anyway, it was a whole different ball of wax, even fictionally and and realistically. So so when you hear um, a young man at the University of Missouri. Uh, going through a hunger strike in 2015 because his university president isn't coming to his aid because he he felt he felt he didn't know what to do he had all these pangs of guilt and it, it sounded it sounded crazy that you're you, you you're demanding that these that this white man tells other white people to like you um, we want you to relinquish. We want you to. We want you to relinquish. We want you to. We want you to admit you have white privilege. This, this is one of the demands this this hunger strike person put on the gentleman that that, that ended up stepping down. We want you to admit before the the, the 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 university that you have white skin color privilege. I mean, come on now. So now we're here. We're seeing more of this stuff going on in other schools, and I listen, I don't want someone to misconstrue that I, I approve of racism. Cause that's not the case. But some part of this seems to be based on some kind of SJW social justice warriorism, a phenomenon where, what Sergio talked about, these clicktivists, these these, these clicktivism, it's not real. No, the racism of our fathers, mothers and grandfathers, our our antecedents, was a lot more real than this stuff. These this is more of micro microaggressions. And not being able to handle microaggressions. Because you you're I'm news flash, you are not going to get people to like you at all times. And it's something about this this being Spread like wild wildfire uh, at other universities. Something about it—it it it rings hollow for me for some reason. Something about it is—is not—it's not
3: honest. Well, you know, you, if know if teacher,
5: you said, well, if a teacher or if an administrator does something that that is really an impediment or something confrontational, something of that nature. But another student, student cursing at you or. or Or somebody that may not be in a – this guy mentioned a guy and people in a pickup truck calling him a nigger, and he wants the president to do something about that. How how are you going to get this this person to police the behavior of other students? Anyway, Serge.
4: No, you said something I say all the time. I said if you took a black person today and put him in Georgia 100 years ago, 50 years ago for that matter – or even in Chicago, a uh, hundred years ago, they wouldn't survive 15 minutes. You know, they're spoiled. You know, when you talk about this guy went on a hunger strike because of this, I swear to God, my first reaction was, what a pussy. Really? Yeah. You're going to go on a hunger strike because of this? If, if really? About that? then then, uh, then How are you going to survive life, kids? How are you going to survive life? I mean really how you i mean you really have to be spoiled I mean, you really have to be you know you have no clue of what the world is, you have none whatsoever if this if you because of, and by the way, you mentioned something on another show which is really true. they talk about the swastika of feces, and you said, how come no one's ever seen a picture of it and I said, that's true. I did not dawn on me. Um, everybody has a cell phone, everybody has an iPhone, everybody's taking pictures and selfies every five minutes. You know we took a picture of that?
6: And also, sir, also to...
5: and again, you can't cry about racism if when you go, after you finish your hunger strike, you go back to your dorm and you plug in your iPod and you play Nicki Minaj on there. <laughs> Who says "nigger" all day? Now someone's going, yeah. to tell, someone's going to compartmentalize that argument, but I'm telling you that if if a uh, a Jewish student goes through some kind of anti-Semitic event, he's not going to be listening to the best of Hitler on his iPad. It's not going to happen. And it's yeah, that you know, it,
4: incongruity look, you don't have to. that is
5: unsettling for me. We if we don't get rid of this 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 backwards subcultural standard because no one else no one else ethnically that I can see has is doing it like black folks when it comes to this self hatred kind of thing going on. On wax for public display and public consumption. You're not buying Anti-Jewish music at your local Best Buy. You're not doing that, but for us, everyone gets in on our demise and gets profit from it. So, anyway, sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, and we got another call. By no, the way, it's,
4: you know to, to expand it even further. I thought you were going to talk about this Gods of Egypt movie yeah, with the all white cast, me. And the thing about it is that. As I posted, I didn't write the piece, but I posted on Shadow and Act, I Act. First of all, who cares? I mean, I've heard this argument over and over again. And I'm like, make your own damn movie. If you don't like it, make your own damn picture. Instead of complaining every time they cast British white people as Egyptians, which they've been doing since the 1930s. Number two, that movie looks so bad, so horrible. I think any black actor who's not in a film is lucky not to be in it. The funny thing is,
5: I I will say this, though, just just for the sake of, I don't know, respect or accuracy, does anybody, even for these white actors, does anybody in Egypt look like that? (laughs) I mean, you know, it does seem kind of silly. In, in, in In the entirety of Africa, I'm talking about from North Africa to South Africa, does anyone look like a, a a a man from Wells.
4: Yeah, Wales Yeah
5: Wales pardon
4: me right. <laughs> oh, Australia, well. from Wales.
5: right does anyone look like from Wales?
4: <laughs> or Scottish, really? right? Or Wales. No. No. Um no. Uh, you know it's it's, at some, it's, point, it's um, at some
5: point it's just at some point it's it becomes like a Pee
4: Wee Herman movie. When you think yeah. <laughs> about it. But then again, you the, the argument their argument is that well? We have to put box office people in these movies. You look at that trailer. I don't know any of those people there in the move that movie, except Gerard Butler, who's done flops. You know, so I don't. I don't know. That, that rationale doesn't work at all. Well, well, you you know? know
5: what? I t- I think I mentioned this in the last broadcast. Uh, even when I think about this upcoming uh, Akira film, um, I don't know how this is going to go down because it was spoken about more a few months ago, and now it seems to be less about it,
4: but we're seeing more and more. I'm not sure if it's in production. I don't don't know if they're still going to do that picture or not. I'm not sure. Well, I know
5: Scarlett Johansson was attached to it, but when you think about this thing, many of these type of films, and you know this intimately, many of these type of films that that do mediocre domestic box office, they're very reliant to, to, to the Asian markets to go in the black. And, uh, I don't know how long you're going to want to keep on doing Asian imprints using white folks and Asian people are going to uh, are the ones that are saving your your industry and you're not including them in a in a picture that's that's originally about them. That's very strange to me.
4: Anyway, uh, hold on, sir. We yeah. have another call, have another okay. call. Hold on.
5: Uh, 703. Welcome to the Midweek. Tell us what's up, who you are, where you're calling from.
6: Black Lives Matter. What's going on, Alpha Nerds? Bites. What's up, man? <laughs> hey, What's um, up? You heard me I'm shout out to your boy, right? Hey, man. We everywhere, man. We all in okay. We all in Hollywood. Uh,
5: uh, enough. <laughs> Kevin Graveau is the man, though. I'll give him that, definitely.
6: Yeah. What I are remember. your thoughts? But it's, a couple things. First, I got to meet you halfway on that. I do agree with a lot of what you said. My only thing is, some of them do have issues in regards to the increase of black faculty on the campuses. Mm-hmm. Now we can argue, but I, I posted some links of real stuff. What happened less than two generations ago at South Carolina state and Jackson state, where the national guard kills students on mm-hmm. campus. So, you know, that that's keeping it real. You want to see some, some showing enough, C A C, and you can figure out what that is. But I'm starting to notice With a lot of these protests are being female-led, and I'm like, "Where are the real men? Where, where are the men at on these college campuses?" Mm-hmm. I mean, has it? Have we just re- just become almost a total matriarchy on American college campuses? Well, and I will
5: mean, start that was, with that, that way when I was when I was in school. Uh, when I was in school, that was that way. It was seven to
6: one at yeah, Hampton yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I, I know the, the numbers are skewed, but what what's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon, is eventually some of these college administrators are going to call them on their bluff, and they're going to just start tossing them out of school. And then what happens? You know, if you want if if you want to get tossed out, get tossed out for, for something that for for uh, an ideal that means something. I mean, I saw that what you posted going into the library. It's it just gotten to, I mean, maybe I'm just in my old middle age self. I'm just seeing young people building a straw man for something that's not there. And, you know, and and I'm from another generation, but if I'm at Yale, I need to be focused on Yale and, and dealing with the problems at Yale or whatever. I mean, sometimes that's a bridge too far trying to link, you know, problems at another school and that's at my school let me fix the dirt in my house first. And I don't see that. I just see a lot of copycat sloganeering, and it really is minimizing real issues that can probably be done at these schools. And I just wanted to say that because I know it's toward the end of the program. But yeah, I do. Wish, I'm
2: glad you said that, because real-
5: I don't want to come off like I'm just being contrarian for the sake of, because I think some folks think I I do that. Like I'm just being, Different for the sake of being different. No, I I think about these things, and I'm just noticing this stuff about this. This doesn't rings hollow for me, when you consider about even the early underpinnings of of of, uh, of black students attending. When he's when he's just started letting started to let black students into the very schools, what did this, the the first student in the University of Missouri in 1950? What, what did he go through compared to what your black ass is going through in 2015? I mean, to go through a hunger strike because someone called you an N word, when even some of the civil rights move uh, civil rights leaders who went through real bodily threats or bodily harm, that they didn't even do that. I mean, come on. It's like it's like but they they, think... they desire that they de- they 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 are desiring for a return of that kind of racism. Am I is am I getting that impression?
6: No, I think if you're talking about the civil rights movement to a lot of the younger generation, you might as well be talking about the Civil War. It's so far removed. It's so far removed that I think they want... There's almost... I I have a feeling that they may want to... They're trying to recreate a movement or create their own movement in time. There are real issues. I mean, real issues, they are real... Microaggressions, real um, incidents that has to be it aggra- uh, has to be addressed at the at the individual level at those schools. But well, I just think yeah, I yeah actually,
5: you should be you should be more personal personally confronting these people and embarrassing them on a, on an interpersonal level as opposed to I'm going to tell on I'm going to tell somebody that this guy isn't isn't treating me right.
6: I mean he's not he's not but a that's teacher. That's
2: a, He's not an administrator.
6: Here's the thing, Bieber. I think at the end of the day, they're seeking white approval, and that's never going that's to come. True
1: yeah, the white man. Yeah. Is
6: the, what you see in the white man is being the white man. Yep, that hasn't changed. And if you're seeking approval from that, you, 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 you're going to be waiting a long time because it hasn't come yet. Listen, Mr. Stark, Mr. Starks told me,
5: I mentioned this on air before, that his 8th grade class, and he's an administrator at an 8th grade class in a school in Long Island, that one of the students uh, asked the teacher, Excuse me, what's lynching? Now, if we're dealing with that kind of mentality... Listen, I, I don't know a day I didn't know what lynching was. When I was 6. Okay, so... To be damn near thirteen, ready for high school, and you don't know what lynching is, it means that your parents, everyone on this phone, received a talking to about what certain racist white people and racism and infrastructural racism, what what that is. So when something goes down, don't be shocked. Be prepared. These these students, what their issue is, they they they're being introduced to this. At 22 years of age and they don't know how to handle it it's like an alien substance to them if you didn't see uh, any of the postcards with black folks hanging with missing genitals or burnt bodies and we had our own ISIS for black folks the the night riders the sundown laws the raping of uh, of women Uh, if you didn't get that history lesson I mean, this this is a cakewalk compared to what others went through. I mean, please. It, it's embarrassing to me. Anyway, gentlemen, <laughs> uh, two hours go so quickly on this show. As always, man, we appreciate it. Uh, shouting out your boy, Kevin Gravoa always. I'm sure you're aware of that book, Adam, the, the Blue Marvel. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, pick it up. Sergio, as always, uh, continue supporting us. Uh we'll get in touch with you behind the scenes. Uh folks, six o'clock. Check us out. We have uh John Jennings. John Jennings, uh noted comic book creator, Blue Hand Mojo. He'll be on at six o'clock Saturday. Uh as always, we try to
1: keep you informed.
5: Cap, any closing remarks before we get on up?
1: Jessica Jones, binge watch Friday. Let's go.
5: Yeah. Sounds good. All right, this is Stevie Wonder, Keeping It Conventional. This is Superstition Remix. Spin Real, Saturday, 6 p.m. <laughs>